Hey everyone, Luke here, and welcome to the Thunk Tank Podcast. This is a first episode we're doing where we're sitting down with a legit brewer and uh, trying to pick his mind about the craft of brewing. Uh, so we were joined by a uh, craft beer brewer and friend of the podcast, Justin. Justin went to Rockingham Community College for their brewing, distillation, and fermentation program. And since then, he has worked at various craft beer breweries around the North Carolina area. So that's how Johnny got in touch with him. We recorded this episode in two parts. So this is uh, the first part where it's just Johnny and Justin. Uh, they discuss craft beer process, industry trends, oak and barrel aging, and various other kinds of beer-themed topics. And then I joined them for a second hour um, over Skype to ask some of my own questions. That's going to be a separate episode, so it should follow this one in about a day or two. I just have to throw that uh, my audio and their audio together, so look out for that. Uh, if you enjoy this type of episode, then let us know, and we can actively try to find more brewers from different places and pick their brains about beer. We want to keep it informative and interesting for all beer levels, so let us know. Um, okay, before the episode starts, we do have some business to take care of, especially since this episode is all about beer. Uh, we have to toast our Patreon subscribers, otherwise known as Thunk Tributors. Um, these are the guys that help the show, you know, stay on the air, so to speak. These are the people that understand our stinky thinking and our craft beer-fueled funky thunking. Hey, maybe let's see if we can get thunking into the dictionary this year. Thunking. The attempt at serious thinking under the influence of craft beer, all the while knowing that you will slip off the rails and devolve into nonsense at some point. It can be like one of those Japanese concept words that it like carries a whole paragraph of meaning, but just in one word. Um, maybe a shorter version. We can just call it thunk. Thunk is a state of being, of, of enlightenment, of awakened wisdom. It can be like the Pali word bodhi in Buddhism, when you're awakened. Because these Patreon subscribers of ours get it. They have, they have thunk. They emanate thunk. They are thunk. So here's a thank you toast to Kara, to Drew, and to Brett. And you know what? I'm only supposed to toast the $2 and up patrons, but fuck it. I'm feeling pretty generous today. Let's have a thank you toast as well to Zach and to the podcast A Topic A Month for also giving us $1 per episode. Um, also, Kara, you're a fourth tier thunk contributor, so you can technically email a would you rather question and we will use it on a future episode. Of course, that's pending Johnny Genie's approval and the approval of the local Genie Council. You know, you got to keep these would you rathers extra weird. Keep it fucked up enough. Otherwise, the Genie Council won't sign off on it. Um, and if anyone listening wants to support our podcast, you can do that for as little as $1 an episode by subscribing at patreon.com slash thunktankpodcast. Not only do you help help us out, um, you know, keeping the podcast hosted and, and, and giving us time to research and all that, but you'll also get access to our Drunk Tank Extra episodes. Uh, these are the off-the-rail sessions that we record after an episode ends. More beer is definitely involved. Um, you know, achieving thunk is almost a guarantee in our Drunk Tank episodes. Um, but mostly we just wouldn't dream of releasing that nonsense to the regular public. So it's for you special people. And if you can't support us directly, you can help us out by leaving a rating or a review wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can share it with someone who you might, you know, who, who you think might like it. Uh, lastly, we have a new website. It's thunktankpodcast.com. Uh, we post episode extras. We do blog posts that accompany some of the episodes. So check that out and let us know what you think. All right, that's about it. Hope you're having a good day. Put those goggles on, prepare for being in a state of thunk, and let's jump in the tank. Attention, humans. This is a thunk tank. Please insert this podcast directly into your nearest orifice for viewing pleasure. Okay, you ready? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the thunk tank. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Thunk Tank. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. Welcome. To, come into our. Come into our Thunk Tank. Luke, don't switch to the other peanuts. <laughs> <laughs>
Welcome to the Thunk Tank. Come in the tank. We're thinking. And we're thinking. <laughs> and we're thunked. And we're thunked. Oh my god. I'm probably more beer than man if we go far enough back at this point. Okay. Uh, welcome to the Thunk Tank, everybody. We got a special episode this week. Uh, finally, after thre- threatening for a long time, we're going to do something actually beer-related. Uh, I got my buddy Justin here, who is a brewer by trade, and uh, we're going to have a nice beer discussion, and maybe we'll bring Luke in later and let him ask some of his dumb, layman beer questions. And <laughs> we can set him straight and drop some knowledge. So welcome, Justin. Hey, howdy, guys. How you doing? Oh, I'm here. He's here. Uh, so let's start off with the beer we're drinking. That's how we usually start these. Uh Crap, what are we drinking again? It's a white elephant, a milkshake IPA from White Elephant Brewing. Yep, uh, what do you think? It's good, it's good. Um, it's pretty, I mean, it's very hazy. Uh, got a good color to it, a little uh, yellowish orange. Now, there's no head on this. Is that the milkshakeness that just kind of kills that off? I don't really know, like. It, it, in order for it to be a, a milkshake IPA, it's it's made with lactose, but I don't think that lactose does anything in terms of, like, uh, to kill head retention. Mm. Um, so I I don't really, I don't really know. They might use some sort of fruit in here. Well, this beer is called Creamsicle Soft Serve to give you the idea of that like juicy so if, fruitiness. If it's so if it's if it's creamsicle, then it probably has some sort of citrus fruit in it. Uh, yeah. So it is a. Fruited milkshake IPA. Yeah, so it's the, the fruit. lactose, half a pound per barrel of blood orange, that's, and then Tahitian vanilla beans. Yeah, so Ooh, and then double dry hopped. So that sounds awesome, and it tastes great. Yeah, so like the uh, essential oils and then the, the citric acid is what kills. Mm, the, so that fruit, yeah, or, or the fruit acids. Okay. Yes. So uh, oh, head retention for not. So we're gonna try to not get too inside baseball with the beer stuff. Try to keep it pretty accessible. Head retention sounds fancy. It just means how long do the bubbles last on the foamy head of your beer? Can you keep your foam? Can you keep your foam? And certain beers, really no foam. This one, not a lot. None. Pretty much none. But you know what? I don't mind. And this is a brewery up in uh, from Mount Airy. Solid. I, I mean. Yeah. It's, and the name actually is, is uh, it tastes like the name. <laughs> it like, really does. It's very soft serving, creamsicle-y. Yeah. Got that, little, um, uh, that that orangey vanilla kind of character going on for sure, which seems to be the 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 big growing thing in craft beer is the for the last I don't know how many years ten years has been the juicy fruity hazy craze, <laughs> and I I tend to split with the other members of my thunk my other thunkers here. Joe and Luke are all about that haze craze. They probably drink a Treehouse beer or a Trillium beer every other episode. It seems like. And um, they, they, yeah, well, they live up there in the Northeast, but they, they just seem to be like kind of locked into this uh, particular styles. And I kind of try to gently break them out. But let's get, uh, excuse me, let's get uh, your take on the haze craze. How do you feel about it? Well, I mean, I, I definitely think that there's, uh, there's a line in terms of how far, like, this beer is hazy, but it's still attractive. Like it's still visually appealing. It doesn't look like someone took a watery shit in a glass. <laughs> um, anything that looks like uh, butt pee or pond water, uh, that's just bad. It's bad brewing. Uh, it's bad brewing practice. It's bad cellaring practice. Uh, if it doesn't look like, if if you don't look at your beer and immediately think like, oh man, that's an attractive you know, drink, it's something that I, I, I'm looking forward to drinking, then you, uh, you, you fucked up. Yeah. Um, Maybe talk directly into the mic, though. <laughs> I know it's weird. I'm staring at you. You want to stare back, but... Let's do this. Let's do so that. I can, there you so go. I can, I can come over here, can maintain too. maintain eye contact. There you go. There we go. That's better. Um, I think, yeah, it's picking you up a little better now. But, yeah, my my big thing is that there's, there's definitely... Uh, uh, a law of, of, of diminishing returns where like you can make a like hazy, juicy, dry hopped New England, whatever. Uh, and it'd be a delicious beer. Um, as 
it, and you need to have like a, a thoughtful approach to making that beer. There are plenty of breweries around here that, that don't necessarily subscribe to that. It's just like they just throw more and more and more and more and more shit at it and like just dry hop five and six times more than what any rational mm-hmm. brewer would. And it's like, oh, well, this is, oh, this is super, it's super rare. And if some's good, more's better, right? Right. But it, it not, like I said, the, the whole like diminishing returns. Thing. Yeah. It's like at some point, you're you're not really accomplishing what you set out to accomplish and you're just winding up with this just horrible discolored turbid turbid uh, turbid turb, yeah turbid uh just this disgusting looking drink and and I like my fear is that those beers and like these not to like get too into the weeds and like off topic, but the 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 beers that like people are th- like the the double triple quadruple milkshake tangerine fucking baby toenail angel angel, angel tears yeah. and you know f- fetal tissue uh, IPA or whatever. Um, it's like a UPA an umbilical cord pale ale. Yeah, it's that. like it, you know. At some point, you're you're one of the brewers that I used to 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 work under. He would always say, like he <laughs> all the time, the emperor has no clothes, man, and the, <laughs> the tail is wagging the dog. The tail is wagging the dog, and like I never knew what the fuck he was talking about. And like now, now I get it. Where it's just like you're pushing the envelope for the sake of pushing the envelope, and it's not even remotely like a thoughtful application towards brewing. It's just, you're throwing 96 different ingredients into some, some beverage and trying to pass it off. Yeah, as is beer. it a beer at that point? Right. And, grain I, and, in and I there don't even, or? I, I, I don't, I don't think that you can call it beer. And my, my problem with it is that you can already kind of see it a little bit in the market that it's pushing people away f- like they don't like they're they're getting a little gun shy so like you know you 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 have more and more people that are just like I just want beer flavored beer I don't want anything like don't put any weird shit in this well isn't that a weird cuz there's they're still trying to capture people into the craft world but they're trying to keep the people in there that right. since so there's, there's so many th- options there's two they're different trying camps, to, but, so you're trying to get people that don't like beer and say well this doesn't even taste like beer this tastes like a creamsicle i can drink this guess what you like beer now right and then there's the people who like beer who are just struggling like beer to, for what it is but so many people make beer good beer now that i feel that some places think they have to go crazy and over the top to try to keep those. But yeah, there is right. a, a silent group of beer drinkers who just want, you know, they just want a good IPA. Just give me your one, one that tastes like an IPA. Right. Like, that's what I like to drink. Yeah. Right. Like, I think that with the, the market just like ever expanding and growing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, breweries are still f- kind of feeling the, the need to like, I've got to do something that's going to set, set me apart from the masses mm. and like going to going to make me stand out and like well, there's honestly, so much competition the, you kind of have to I, I I disagree though I disagree because it's there is a lot of competition but it, it's it's also synergy so like you if there's a brewery that's directly across the street from us uh whenever as soon as they open up like are they competition Yes, technically, but they're also going to bring more and more people because now there's two breweries on your corner, not just one. Yeah, and at the same time, it's also going to force you to. It's the get reason to up your up your game. That's yeah. the reason all the car dealerships are on the same street, right? It, even though they're from different companies, it's because right because because someone's driving down there the to shop are. for car. Yeah, that's where the that's people where looking gonna go. for cars are going. That's exactly. Where you that's be. why people are going are, are flocking to Asheville like crazy, yeah. and you don't hear people from from burial. You don't hear people from from you know uh, Twin Leaf or whatever complaining that oh shit, there's another brewery yeah. that's opening up here because at the end of the day, that brewery is just going to bring a, its own little micro following with it and it's just making Asheville an even bigger scene and bigger scene while simultaneously 
weeding out the people that are making subpar product. It's just going to push right. everybody. There's 30 breweries in this town. If I have one bad beer from you, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. I've got 29 other great options. I, there's other ones I might not get to that'll close down before I even get there. So right. it, it, it is great from the beer drinker's perspective that way. The choice. And I, but but I think that that I think that that the fear of that potentially happening is also what's pushing and driving this whole like, oh well, we put like. Donuts and hogs feet and you know fucking whatever other weird shit we could you know trotters and Boston yeah mug, cream. Mug, that mug, sounds good actually mug work and foreskins right oh it's weird <laughs> <laughs> but as a beer guy you would try that right <laughs> if somebody poured it you wouldn't try it no no man no there, there's so there's, there was a guy that I, I, a, a fellow a fellow brewer that that recently was. Who I respect uh, a lot that was telling me of, of, of a beer that he brewed with uh, with Rocky Mountain oysters. He brewed with with uh, with testicles, uh, bison testicle or, or cow, uh, cow, cow testicles. Cow testicles specifically, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's like, well, you know, that's a thing that you can do. What but, kind of beer? Uh, Rocky I, Mountain oysters, though. I want to I want to say it was an IPA. <sighs> Yeah, but I like, did. What? I did find a recipe from the 16th century for cock ale. Yeah, and it's it's a 15 gallon batch where uh, you ferment it, and like during active fermentation, four days in, you throw a plucked steamed chicken in to for, to add a hearty, meaty flavor, and they called it cock ale. And apparently, it was good enough that someone wrote the recipe down. So. <laughs> they probably wrote that recipe down just like on the off chance that anybody ever decides to throw a bunch of ingredients and things together and it looks like this, just don't do it. <laughs> it's a warning. It wasn't like, a recipe. Yeah, it's yeah. like right here, this is not great. <laughs> well, uh, before we go, t- I want to talk about historical beer and because there's a lot of like, why do they call it that? Like, why is it called this? And, and you're a good guy to talk to about that stuff. Oh, I hope. <laughs> but uh, I didn't really introduce you that well. Give me a quick, you know, two-minute introduction of yourself, your your how you got into craft beer, and uh, you know what you what your credentials are, because I just kind of said, hey, here's Justin. Oh, okay. Because well, you are a real brewer. Yeah. Right. That's what yeah. your taxes say. Yes. Yeah. Um, maybe I think. Probably right. Perhaps Bre- brewer. Uh, so yeah. So Brewman? I was a I was a home brewer for uh, several years uh, while I was working in uh, hospital pharmacy. And just having the soul just sucked out of me mm. every day, um, and I I loved beer, loved brewing, um, and then uh, one day it was just a, a random encounter with like my my old boss wound up uh, getting in touch with my wife and and letting her know that her brother was in a brewing program at a school near us and that I should look into it. And I, I was working in the, the OR at the time and literally called and registered for classes that day uh, to start going through this, uh, through this brewing program. So I went to RCC for their brewing distillation and fermentation program. Uh, I got my uh, certificate from, uh, from those guys. And then, uh, am I allowed to mention names? Sure, it's up to you. It's your, it's, it's, you disclose as much as you'd like, sir. uh, We don't have a big listener base. So, so. my social security number. (laughs) Uh, so no, I, uh, I was working at the hospital, uh, part time and then started, uh, brewing part time at Natty Greens in, uh, Natty Greens in Greensboro. And I, I brewed there for probably two years, something like that. And then, Oh no! They just keep talking. <laughs> so I brewed with Natty's for two years, um, and uh, started off with them. That was a, a, a about a f- uh, seventeen barrel. Um, yeah, in in Greensboro, it was a seventeen barrel uh, German system. Uh, it would have been a technically. Uh, Mash mixer, lauder ton, boil kettle, uh, holding tank, uh, and whirlpool. So uh, five vessel, five vessel system. I brewed with them for about two years and then left there. 
and uh, went to brew uh, for Foothills uh, Brewing in Winston-Salem, and I, I worked with them for uh, as a brewer and cellarman for about two years uh, on there. That's actually where we met. Yeah, that, that is that is true. Um, I brewed with them for two years. I did uh, brewery and then uh, cellar work on their their system. They had a, a sixty barrel, uh, sixty barrel, uh, three vessel. And for people listening that don't know, what is a barrel in terms of beer production? Because people think of it as a wooden barrel, a oh, oil no, what, drum um, a barrel. barrel. A barrel is a is a a a, 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 a way to measure uh, volume. Uh, that's uh, 31 gallons. Okay, so 60 barrels is... 60 barrels would be uh, 120 kegs of like what you would tr- what you would. So 120 30-gallon keg. kegs. No. Or 120 15-gallon 15, 15, 15 15. kegs. 15.5-gallon. Nah. Like a keg of what, like, what, what most So how many gallons of, of beer are we talking? A shit ton. <laughs> 60, a lot. 60, 60 barrels is a lot. 60 times 31, it'd be... So ugh. So one batch of beer on that system, you're making over Eight. 100 kegs worth of beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're okay. talking so like, big eight, production. like 1,800 gallons. Roughly. Okay, yeah. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, uh, it was it was a, a shit pot ton of I beer. I do six gallons at home, um, so for people to get a point of reference. Yeah. 60 we, we barrels are, versus we six gallons. Brewing in anywhere from, uh, into... Uh, uh, in anywhere from a 100 barrel uh, fermenter up to a 400 barrel fermenter, which our 400 barrel fermenters actually held, uh, on average, anywhere from 480 to just shy of 500 barrels. So you're mm-hmm. talking, you know, a, a thousand, a thousand kegs of like what you know most people would traditionally yeah. think of as a kegs worth of of volume. So that's why you go to school for it because if you fuck up a thousand kegs. Yeah, you're fucked. If you mess up one batch, that's a thousand kegs, a hundred beers each. That's a lot of beer to wait. Yeah, so one yeah. one you you got to think of it in, in just in terms of just sheer numbers. Uh, if if you were to take all of that beer and sell it through your tap room, one half barrel has roughly a hundred and fifty, a hundred and fifty pours in it, and you're talking. Five dollars, uh, yeah, roughly. Just pick an average five dollars. Yeah. so that's five hundred bucks a keg at least. Yeah, it was, we'll we'll make it easy and say that it's five hundred dollars per. You know that that you're making back off of that keg now times a thousand of them. Yeah, that's a lot of money to lose. That's five hundred thousand dollars. Right, and wow. and that's not, that's that's not taking into consideration that's that's potential sales but you're also taking into consideration the the tank residency how long that beer mm. was in that how long that <laughs> vessel was tied up and you weren't making other beers yeah. that were going to be producing revenue revenue for the brewer you're also talking ingredients you're yeah. talking uh energy you're just in in terms of keeping the light the lights on for the two days that it took to fill that brewery you're talking all of the labor 48 hours straight worth of man hours to fill that tank, all of the ingredients, all of like it's, it's a, and that's before you try to sell it in the marketplace with sales reps and right. uh, d- distributors and all trying to deal with well, all that. Those stuff. numbers change drastically whenever you sell it in the market though. Right. So like wholesale like, versus retail. Yeah. Kind of it's thing. a, yeah. there's a massive, massive, massive disparity in mm-hmm. between what you make off of one half barrel. If you sell it through your taps versus if you sell it to the guy next door to have him pour it through, uh, through there. And that's kind of why, like I think in our generation, we're seeing the, the distribution system the break model down. Is, right. The model is changing. And, Cause people don't even want the like, people used to want the cool stuff from far away. It used to be kind of, cool to get something from china we're kind of over that we'd rather get stuff local local, local is local is the, 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 the local shit. local is where it's be. at yeah so um, i guess that that helps both the mar- the customers and the producers there right as 100 percent. yes that's why you, you keep seeing more and more breweries that are and you're going to continue to see more breweries pop up that that try to rely on distribution as like absolutely little as possible uh, that don't want to get distributorships involved that don't want to get any sort of third party involved because anytime that you have a third party or a middleman, you got to pay that fucker and nobody wants to do that. Right. Well, I put all the work into the beer. Right. I already have customers willing to buy. I'm going to give you how much. Right. And and your margins are, are, are immediately cut by 
70%. Yeah. You know, it like if if we make a a half barrel of of any beer or like our our beer sells at a, a half barrel is sold for like $169. That's the the, the cost to to, the to distributors. Go. Yeah. It's, it's usually somewhere around there, right? Yes. So we, well, I mean, we don't we don't do distributors. We sell directly to because we 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 don't we're, yeah. we don't require we're we're small enough that we don't have to rely on d- distributors. I'm the distributor. I yeah. get to load up my car with whatever and which is also great. That's that super local, right? You know, um, yeah, <laughs> it, it is great until they tell me that you oh, have but, destroy oh, your but, car with K. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and I don't get paid mileage, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> so what what breweries that people because beer tourism is growing more and more in the country. What breweries would you say are doing that model well and are worth visiting? Obvi- the obvious one that jumps out to me is like New Glarus. They're a big brewery in Wisconsin. They win awards and stuff. They make great beer, but they don't distribute outside of the state because they don't. Uh, for the same reason, like they, their local decision, the line they drew was the state. Well, I mean, there's a there's a ton of of like the the whale breweries that like I don't think like uh, who is the alchemist up in Vermont? I don't mm-hmm. think that they distribute very much, out, especially not outside of their state. I, I want to say that they're all they're all in state of uh, Hill Farmstead. Yeah, so they, those are the ones I think of Hill Farmstead. Right uh, and and like yeah, they they fig- like they've they've figured it out like a they're making really really great product b they are using the they're using both uh the the hype but also like the scarcity and exclusivity to like mm. Drive that hype and therefore push their sales even more and more and more and more and more because everyone is claiming like everybody wants to get Hetty Topper, everybody wants to get Focal Banger, everybody wants to get whatever fucking Hill Farmstead beer you can, but it's like you never you never see it ever, yeah, ever. So like they rely on that and and that's kind of what what they what they use to sort of justify the price point that that they put their beers on or they put their, that they sell their beers for. Yeah. Now, do you think it's an intentional or cause there's always that risk. Like people want your beer, like people will pay for Hetty Topper in California and Arizona. Like people want that beer nerds want that beer all over the country. Right. So I think that the biggest, what, what if the, the, the biggest, well, well, I'm just saying that people want those beers. So instead of saying, let's build a building three times the size and make six times the product, because then you overexpand. And- yeah, what, what, pretty much as soon as the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't get it back in. So I think that uh, they, they definitely have the, like, the, the mindset of like, <laughs> what we're doing is working and like not allowing... Agreed, or like the the desire to just constantly be a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger animal and a bigger beast and machine, like that, like the fact that they haven't let themselves get to that point. I think that that's also what's really driving driving their their success. Because like, even if they were doing a quarter of what they're doing now in terms of their production, they would still, I can almost guarantee you, they would still be a profitable business. It's just everything that they're doing right now is just above and beyond, and it's it's money in the bank. Yeah. So I, I definitely, I don't... I guess that's a weird decision, though, from maybe not from the beer, like, auteur point of view, but from the like financial business side is like, wait, your notoriety is growing faster than your actual like inventory. And right. But that's product. a great, that's a great thing though, because as but long th- as the scarcity is on your side, you're always going to have demand for yeah. your supply. So like cap your supply, keep that scarcity in your pocket and just keep and like, just constantly be playing that as your fucking ace in the hole all the time is that you have this scarcity and this ex- exclusivity and we like, only oh, make so shit, many. Yeah, we know we, yeah, we sell out after two days and then it's gone. And, and it's so guess what's going to always happen. You're never going to not sell out. But see, this is the same reason I hate Nike. 
or like those specialty shoe releases they do, or you know Jordans or whatever. I have a friend who collects shoes, and I think it's absurd and just a waste of money. Like when you buy a car, they say it's a bad investment because half of the value is gone as soon as you drive it off the lot because it's new, not new, a new anymore. Car. Yeah, right. a new car. So I like. Same thing, you're going to buy like a sports sneaker for hundreds of dollars. If you actually play sports in it, it's lost all of its value. Yeah, it's dumb. And is it really making you that much better? But what the other thing they do is they'll be like, oh, new shoe's coming out. They'll release 5000 and charge $500 a shoe. And then they run out. And then a week later, they, have, they release another 50000 or or 100000 of them. And they have millions of them. They're made for pennies in a sweatshop somewhere. And they just right. they create the scarcity. Right. On purpose. I mean, that's that's marketing, I guess. I know, but like, it, it's weird. It doesn't piss me off with beer, but it does when it comes to like gas prices or you know, oil companies or pick a thing that they do that with and it ends up costing us more, and it's annoying. For some reason, I give it a pass with craft beer. I'm totally if the beer's good, I'm, maybe that's the difference. It's a good product. I'm fine with it. Well, I, well, I mean, and, and I also think that you understand. The, the 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 process and the amount of of work and labor that goes into making ten barrels or twenty barrels or a hundred barrels or four hundred barrels of whatever you understand the amount of labor that actually goes into it. So it, it's a lot easier for a, a brewery, especially especially a smaller brewery, to say like, yeah, the scarcity is here because we can't fucking we like our 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 production schedule is limited. I mean, we like, we can't focus all of our time in, into doing these like super crazy, uh, artisanal, like one-off crazy beers that we're going to just bottle and only sell in the bottles and only sell it out of, you know, our, our tasting room. You, you just, you can't, you can't, it, it's not really sustainable. Yeah. Like, it, it, I guess that that's the well, that's the biggest. It, it isn't like another craft beer myth. Uh, you go to most brewery uh, tap rooms, and they'll have you know a selection of different things, but they'll have that kind of generic uh, Bud Light Mick Ultra clone, let's say, or right. emulating that style. You know, golden ales and pilsners and Kolsch's, but they're not. You Don't know, you talk shit about Kolsch. I love Kolsch, but I've had some <laughs> bad Kolsch's. Yeah, or they'll make a hoppy Kolsch, and it's really not. Uh, you know, would you make a hoppy? I've I've had them. I'm just saying. They, well, you, well, then you, is it hoppy? Then you fucked up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've just they have that, and it's so that they say they have something for the non beer nerds, the non people who just want a beer, a beer that tastes like a beer, or the beers they've grown up drinking, but right. different. Right? But isn't it also you make good money on those beers because there's a lot less ingredients. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it's just if as good for like, the brewery as it is for the friend you dragged along. That's like, I just oh, can I get God. a Miller there? And you're like, no, you can't. But we'll find uh, something one, you like. One hundred, one hundred percent. Especially at a brewery that like that, their prices don't fluctuate depending on the beer that you're drinking. Like there are going to be some places that you go yeah. that like, oh well, the IPA is going to be seven dollars and fifty cents because like more IPAs so. are exponentially more. Uh, Time time consuming and they they require way more expensive ingredients than say just a standard basic Kolsch golden uh you know just innocuous malt driven fairly low low bitterness and low hop character beer um, yeah so that that's that's def there's definitely like I'm trying to think of how I can how I can phrase this to Come on. I guess, yeah, fuck it, right? Who cares? So, like, uh, back whenever I was it was working at this, uh, I was working at a brewery, and that brewery had a sour program, and we were putting out different sour beers, and there were some beers that had fruit in them, and there were other beers that didn't have fruit in them, and the ones that had fruit in them were all priced the same and they were in uh like smaller bottles and they were about fifteen dollars a bottle then there's this one beer that doesn't have fruit in it and it's in a slightly larger bottle and it was about seven dollars more per bottle and the thing is the more expensive beer was actually the cheapest 
To produce. To produce. Our, like our overall like cost per bottle was significantly lower than every other sour beer that we that we put out. Uh, but we used that to offset and to to compensate for the like how expensive it was like the the lack of margin in the other beers uh. so it, it's it's definitely like don't kid yourself into thinking that that's not something that every brewery is keeping in the back of their head because they 100% are there's no there's no not a brewery out there that exists solely because we're just passionate about making beers, and that's why we're in this game. At the end of the day, it still comes down to dollars and cents. Yeah, and if you don't have money, you can't brew beer. Right, right. And if you're and if you're not continuing to make money, then you can't afford to to continue to make beer. So that, that's definitely the 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 cheap kind of uh, swilly ish. Uh, not to knock those beers because there are some really good ones out there, but uh, the the. The, the cheaper, swilly-ish beers, uh, they... That's a they, bread they, and butter they, beer. They, well, yeah, they, well, and they help they help offset the cost of the crazy uh, single, the fr- double, triple, quadruple... Those are the French fries, right? You, you spend a dollar for a burger at McDonald's, and then you spend a dollar on the fries, and you think that that's a fair price, but that meat costs way more than just frying a potato. Well, for, like or a drink. Or yeah. just or the, the yeah, drinks yeah. at 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 a, at a uh, any fast food restaurant. That's always what what com- has completely blown my mind. Bottle of water is two dollars, but a sixty four ounce soda is ninety nine cents right. or something. I never is understood that. that. Didn't you use water to make that soda? Why is it cheaper? What kind of water did you use? <laughs> so is what I was wondering. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's the fact that they include crack in it, I mean, just make it super. Addictive. Yeah, you just well, keep. They make it up in volume. Yeah, once they get you, they got you. Well, yeah, oh, <laughs> we got another one. All right. Well, um, what else you got? I think I, I, I think that I, I think that I pretty, that I c- covered my. I think that's your CV pretty well. Your yeah, credentials, more or, more or less. Now I'm going to fight us. Now I work somewhere else doing doing other stuff with beers. Yeah, and it's it's fun, and I and I like it. Yeah, I did want to ask you about uh, wood aged beer, oak aged beer, because do I'm a I'm a internet learner guy, meaning I'm dumb and didn't do well in traditional education. So I like to look into things that are weird to other people and I find interesting. And one is this resurgent of uh, barrel aging beers. And you see it a lot with, uh, you know, Bourbon County is the big one everyone knows, or CBS <laughs> or KBS. These breweries that do these big CBS stouts. Real good. It was good this year. I have one I can give you. Um, and they, they'll take these big stouts, imperial stouts, 9, 10, 11, 12% beers, and throw them in a bourbon barrel uh, for a few months, weeks, months, whatever, and you get a nice richness to the beer that seems like a new thing, a new a newer fad when you talk to people, but when I was researching, like, all beer used to be very, stored very in... <laughs> yeah, all beer was in wood for much longer than it has it. Look, steel tanks, glass tanks, that's only 100 years old. Right metal kegs are pretty new. I think that was a 20th century creation. And uh, everything was either barrels and, and even glass is pretty recent. They well, used I mean, to drink out of leather mugs and it sounds fucking horrible. Think about how do you clean out the leather mug you were drinking out of at the bar that, well, or yeah, the guy I mean, was drinking out of before you at the bar. You just fill me up a leather and, mug. And hope for the best. Oh, uh, man. I'll show you some pictures of those mugs. They're like, oh, geez. I, I, I don't even want to touch it. I drink am going to respectfully decline. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, thanks. But yeah, just so, pour so, it in my hand. I'll drink it so out of people, that. And people seem surprised when they try barrel age stuff and they actually like it. So what, what's your take on it? Uh, on what, on what what aspect? Wood, <laughs> on wood, <laughs> on, on on just wood aging beer and and you know that the ancientness of it and all that and well, I mean, what is it? What's happening? What, what's going on when I put what, my beer? What's, what's happening what, in that what, barrel? What, what's it doing? If it's um, a bourbon barrel, why don't you just put bourbon in the beer? Isn't that the same thing? Well, uh, um, <laughs> almost, but that's also really illegal. Fair enough. Uh, that's called seeding. That's not oh, good. Okay. You you get in a a a world of hurt for that. Uh, no, the process is really 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 uh, old. Uh, I mean, that's uh, the the barrel was essentially the 
the, the, the recognized uh, it's sort of universal uh, shipping container for everything everything but dry like, and wet goods right right yes but i mean everything includes beer um like you know the 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 belgians they started uh, figuring out that uh, even before like you know germ theory and 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 microscopes and and whatnot came along they figured out that you could uh there were certain things that could happen with uh, barrel aging uh, 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 a beer that would cause it to turn sour and would develop all of these different like really really interesting characteristics and 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 flavors that and that's just through trial and error just because they've yes. been making beer for so long there yes yes okay. um, and then essentially they you know even though they they didn't there was a lot that wasn't necessarily understood as to as they didn't they didn't know the why on like a f- microbiological level, but they knew the how mm-hmm. they, they like, I mean, like that can be said for back in, in the, 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 the first glasses of, of beer that were ever, you know, discovered through serendipity, like, Oh, ac- this grain was sitting in a vase and it accidentally yeah. got, it got wet. And then like, Oh shit, whenever I drink it, I feel happy. Yeah. Or, or how like a king, you know, I don't know if gold is better, but people die when they drink out of those leather cups. I'm drinking out of gold because nobody dies when they drink out of gold. We don't know why. Everything I eat off of is gold, though. Like That's why they surround themselves with gold dishes and plates and cups and shit, right? And chalices. And is that really why? I always thought so. Huh. Is Because gold is pretty, like, you know, aseptic. It doesn't really carry bacteria and all is that. Is that Trump's, like, is that his... No, I think he looks at a room that's like well, like you know, that an interior designer this is who's so nice who spent their life designing, you know, doing this and color schemes. They go, yeah, oh, but it's not nice. gaudy enough. You know what though? What if we just drape everything in gold? Just gold. This is a nice bathroom. I understand you're going for a Victorian thing. What if that toilet seat was gold though? So I, I think that's it's just where can I add gold here with him? But uh, you know, but that's the same idea. They didn't understand or or like judges how judges uh, are way up. You know, the, 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 where a judge sits in the court, they're like sitting above you is because they knew if you were down with the criminals and they knew somehow like if you mixed air, exchanged air with the, these like poor street criminals that the judges would get sick and get all sorts of diseases. So they just raised them up so they'd be down there with their lice and all tor- sorts of diseases and whatnot. So that's part. And also it's scarier when a guy's yelling down at you what your punishment is. But it's also is that, that where the phrase talking down to me is. is? Maybe. But there used to be a common thing, in, at least in England and continental Europe, where they call it jail fever. And you would just, if you went, it's like kennel cough. It's just there's so many sick, poor people going through there. If you went to jail for any amount of time, you'd catch the jail fever. And if you were being brought up in front of judges and magistrates, they didn't want to deal with that shit. So they, you know, raised themselves up. And <laughs> just give me six feet. I'll be fine. That's why they wore wigs, too, is because you can't get lice if you shave your head. If your wig gets lice, you just throw it out and get a new wig. But if you get lice in your hair, now you got to shave your hair, throw all your clothes out. So they would just shave their heads. And that How, way, why? That way you were safe. Why, from the, <laughs> why do you know oh, that? Oh, because I, I look things up <laughs> online. It's the same reason I like barrels. At what point did you just think, like, man... Why are judges' seats elevated? And also, <laughs> wigs. That isn't a what's book, up with, probably. What's up with those? Nah, I have insomnia. And just like, help me, Google. <laughs> and just <laughs> help, did, me. help me, Google. Did a little deep dive. But, uh, but yeah, so the, back Sorry. to beer. Sorry to get off. No, no, I, I'm the one who, who the, took us off the rails <laughs> there. But, uh, yeah, it's that, that same. So I just love that in beer, too. There's so many weird little historical things. Well, well and, and, and now it's just. I don't know. People are, are are like, I feel like aging aging beers in 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 barrels. Uh, it's an easy way to add a different uh, a different level or a, a different level of depth or like add some some nuanced character to a beer while at the same time like kind of tipping your cap to like the the old the old days and and you know how things used to be it's it's definitely like a i, I don't know like an acknowledgement of 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 the history of the product um, cuz people are starting to go that way with other <laughs> things like these are hand jarred pickles or something like there's that's more dumb. cachet to that than it being that's dumb or or not that but you know you, you get the mason jars and I don't you pasteurize get it. I just and boil don't get it. <laughs> 
and they boil their peas or whatever to seal them up. You've seen how people do that, right? Oh, no. You know how to jar things? No. Oh, well, you like you put the shit in the jar and then you like seal it up and you kind of like put it like pasteurize it in the jar in a boiling pot and and like so you could store it that way. But whatever. I'm just talking about weird hipster things people do or like kimchi. Everyone's eating kimchi or kombucha they make in their kitchen now. It's like you could just go take a vitamin. But there's something about that, you know, hands on live culture thing people like. Yeah, But the vitamin doesn't taste nearly as bad. Yeah, that's true. So. <laughs> it's definitely an acquired vitamin taste in that in, in those like live culture things. In, but in the booch. I wanted to just ask you about barrels a little bit because from what I understand and what just going to, to distillery tours and talking to people like you is when you age, when you put liquid in a barrel like that, like when you put whiskey into a barrel, everyone thinks of whiskey barrels. We know that what whiskey looks like that nice brown color. That's from the barrel, right? When whiskey yes. goes into the barrel, it's, it's clear. clear. Yes. Just like any sort of ghost whiskey is just unaged whiskey, right? That yes. ghost shit. It's just a barley moonshine. Yeah, it it hasn't developed any of the so it's from, when you, when you put it in it's it's pulling flavors from the wood yeah, by so, temperature so, changes I guess it expands yeah, so it contracts it's, it's called barrel breathing okay this uh, is what I this is what I brought you in for I want yeah, I want these so, terms and stuff so lay it on uh, me baby your your whatever your barrel is breathing uh, at like the the hottest point in the day uh, the the wood is going to expand and what does that do. <coughs> I'm getting there. Sorry, I'm excited. <coughs> you cough and right into the, that, Mike. At the uh, at get up on <laughs> it. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, guys. Uh, at at the coldest point uh, in the evening, uh, the wood is going to contract, and as it's expanding and it's contracting, it's pulling in air and it's releasing oxygen. So it's pulling uh, pulling oxygen in and it's releasing oxygen. And it's pulling beer in and it's releasing beer. So it's constantly having these like micro ingressions so of of both like beer and oxygen that are mixing and It's like inter- a sponge, inter- a really firm sp- slow sponge. Right, exa- exactly. Okay. Exactly, but on like a very 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 small scale. Uh, so as as you're doing that you are are introducing uh, wood sugars you're introducing the that oak character you're also getting a little bit of oxidation that's occurring so you like that can can impact your beer slightly but you know not, not to the point where it's gonna like hopefully if you, uh, enough to maybe smooth out flavors that might have been yeah yes out, while, out. while not having like this just straight up like oh well this is a bourbon barrel aged cardboard barley wine yeah. Yeah, you don't you don't want that obviously but uh, with a lot of these like darker beers that oxidation will kind of bring out like almost like a sherry character in in like more malt forward beers yeah because you don't want you, you you don't you don't want it too sharp like because it's moving so slowly, that's why it takes months in the barrels, right? So that's why it tends to be a higher alcohol beer that could sit uncarbonated for months without going. That's why it also it also kind of going off almost requires it to be a, a, a higher alcohol beer. You want it to be a higher alcohol beer just because that's sort of the the high alcohol content is uh, a safeguard against uh, like infection or you know, shit going awry in the barrel. Um, cause I mean, most, most like beer spoilers, they, they still, they don't really just like yeast. It doesn't really care to be around that type of environment. Mm-hmm. It's all about, yeah, what it's comfortable with. Right. So you could barrel age a, a small beer, like a three, 4% beer, but you would need something to inhibit that growth. So maybe like a souring bacteria, like a, inoculating it with a with a, a aggressive particular strain so that it kind of overwhelms the other one so you can kind of control the right isn't that the whole idea of of, of souring and and because the oak will I was reading also about wart sticks historically the wart stick was a thing in I think northern Europe back in the day which is uh, 
when the beer would be fermenting and like a nice and bubbling and frothing, like active yeast floating around. Like high croissant? High croissant, okay. yeah. They, they would dip a stick in there and stir it around and let it sit. And then they'd pull it out and dry it off. And that would be where the dry, that would be how they made dry yeast cultures oh, from that. Okay. And then, because you were, you know, you brewed seasonally depending on the temperature a lot. So you could, so you have like family wart sticks or they would make like a woven basket That's that could so scoop that stuff up and then you dry it out. And that way, when you add it to a fresh it's batch, insane. it'll kick off again. It's insane to think that like they had no idea what the fuck they were but doing. But they knew if you they stirred it. They didn't know the why. Again, they didn't know the why, but they they, they understood the how. Like they're like, what is this frothy shit that's got like? Yeah. Oh, wow, we don't know, but I can. I, I'll tell you this: if you put the stick in there and you dry it off, and then yeah, you put it gonna, in something else later, you're gonna have a great time. It's gonna fuck it. Yeah, you did It'll it right. Taste the same. You done good, booby. Yeah. Apparently, you it would it would lead to problems too if somebody was at your house and said something mean. And then your next batch of beard, I'd be like, that fucker looked at my wart stick funny and cursed it. I'm oh, go, yeah, that's that's I'm a go, little hokey. I'm gonna go burn his house down. <laughs> like things got people got heated about their beers back. In yeah, the day. well, I mean, she was a witch. <laughs> well, witch's brew actually, you know where that comes from? No, is, uh, is again, you get a bad batch of beer if you're a tavern keeper with a reputation. You know, there's only so much you can control before sanitation practices and. You know, they knew the the how and not the why, like you said. So they knew that somehow this beer's off. You could taste it. You'd blame the old hag that lived down the street. She wasn't buying your beer anyways, and she cursed it. And that would be the witch's brew if it got if it was like a bad batch of beer. You assumed, <laughs> well, I made the same beer three times in a row, and this one's bad. I bet it's that old hag. Thanks, Kathy. <laughs> Way to go, Karen. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, meant, I meant to. I meant to. I meant to. I don't say. know why Karens always get blamed. I I do. I've got an aunt Karen. She's a <laughs> total bitch. Oh, I hope you're listening. Like, share, and subscribe, Karen. <laughs> Karen. <laughs> I actually I talked to my I talked to my grandmother for the first time in months yesterday, and oh. I called my aunt Karen an asshole. Oh. They yeah. Go. yeah. All right. So you and, stand by it. I like gra- that. And my granny said, <laughs> "She's vegan," <laughs> which I thought was adorable. Uh, so back to barrels. <laughs> we uh, 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 what was I going to? We're talking, we're about, talking the about stick. Oh, so and, so and, when I was reading about the wart stick, it made me think about how much of the how much yeast that we use now, like that labs have isolated and you can buy, this is a London ale yeast or this is a German pure cultures. cultures. How many of them uh, developed or where where they end up getting from developed because they were cultured in barrels for word stick. Yeah, they were, or they were cultured in barrels over decades and centuries and generations of like oak seems to be pretty good at like, like, Oh yeah, yeast likes oak for some reason. Well, because it's porous. Because it's it's porous, and that's what we've put it in for ten thousand years now, five thousand years. That's also why we put it in oak is because Mm -hmm. it's 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 porous. Like I mean, it's it it could be watertight, but like it it, it's it suits us well. Um, So yeah, I mean, like there's definitely been a lot of like uh, isolation and then propagation. Over the years, from like all like ev- every source that you can possibly mm-hmm. imagine, from like the fucking leaves out in your backyard to like some bottle that somebody found at the bottom of the ocean from a shipwreck back in the 1800s. Those are so cool. I always love those. Uh, yeah, it's it's super. Uh, like I, I really want to try a, a, a shipwreck beer at some points. It's on my bucket list. If you ever get one, just call me. I uh, I was reading a book by a guy, and I forget what he calls himself, a biomechanical archaeologist or something. And he goes around and he scrapes he scrapes like old vases and and jars. Yeah, a and, a, 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 a like a a micro uh, a microbiological anthropologist. Something like that. Well, she this has, guy, he he's our uh, whatever bio mama jamma archaeologist because he works with the artifacts to get scrape residues and then try to sequence what was in it. You yeah, that's, what, kind dog, of that's what Dogfish Head did with their yeah, whole this guy, ancient This is the guy who does it. Ah, I, I have one of his yeah. books and. Like sometimes he'll he got like this whole thing of like these wine 
jugs, right. these ancient wine jugs, and there was like 50 of them, and they were able to scrape them, and they were able to tell the different wines and all this stuff, but then he got a really good promising one that had been like left alone for like a like hundred years in this museum, and he's like, oh, uh, they didn't have the equipment to collect samples then, but he's like, oh, it's been in this like clean room. It should be fine, and he looked in it, and there's a bunch of cigarette butts from the Depression. He tracked it down. It was from when like the CW workers or whatever like were cataloging stuff, they just used it as an ashtray because it was just a big vase that what they weren't able to do anything. Did you just with. say vase? Vase. Oh my god. Vase. Oh. Vase. Jesus. Whatever. Your pretension is showing. It came out a little bit. <laughs> but uh, no. So that guy, he does. He's he's done some really really interesting interesting stuff, like with uh, Midas Touch, Midas Touch, and I have uh, the book somewhere. We uh, we can look at it later. Yeah, it's got like ten of his recipes in it. Yeah, it's and it the story. Behind them, Midas Touch was one of the first beers that, like, after I finally made, like, I started off drinking, uh, uh, like, uh, high. No, no, it was, uh, oh, Red Stripe, Red Stripe, because that was what my my uh, my ex girlfriend, uh, her mom kept it in her fridge, and she never drank it, so she never, like, she didn't notice whenever one went missing. So uh, like I I started off drinking Red Stripe and then I went from Red Stripe to uh, Newcastle, and which is regretful. Uh, and then, you don't like Newcastle? No, you gotta have it over there. It's a lot better. It doesn't travel well. In never those clear bottles. N- never been over there. Well, we'll I, go. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make a weekend of it. Um, so yeah, I I I drank Newcastle for a long time and thought that that was just like the the. The bee's knees, if you will. I won't. And then <laughs> I will not. And then, and then eventually, like, uh, actually, this is right around the time that the Dogfish Head, uh, uh, their, like, little docu-series came out on TV, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever saw that. Yeah. that. They had the one on Bitches Brew, and had one on Midas Touch, and had one on that fucking chicha bullshit that they made where they had everybody chew up corn and then spit it into a bucket, and they made so, a beer out of it. And so, I want to so fucking, that's what, what the most about is, vile thing. These are ancient homebrew recipes that the guy, the owner of Dogfish Head, who is known for doing weird beers uh, and historical recipes, he's all about trying to tackle those. Uh, They try to recreate these ancient recipes using, you know, residual chemicals left on containers. The Midas Touch was the first big one they did, and they found some tomb in, I want to say Turkey or Greece, and um, they think it was King Midas's tomb. Yes. Based on how he was buried and all the, st- but they left a bunch of shit around as like offerings for the afterlife. Or yeah, he was buried with with, with uh, totes of wine because that's what you that's what you did. Yeah. It, or it, and and they they the, but the one one of the jars they found had uh, beer uh, had had cereal grains, grapes, and honey residues yes. all from the same batch. So we tend to think of beer, wine, and meat as different beverages, but when well, sugars are scarce, you kind of just threw yeah. it all together. Um, and that's a really cool thing too. Looking at historical beers is you always got to, or anytime any historical food or sensory thing, it's always like, did we get it right? Was it supposed to taste this bad or were tastes that different back then? Yeah. Well, the I classic mean, one like, being a more modern version is the Groot beer, <laughs> which I'd like to talk about Groot beer with you for a bit. No, most people don't know what the fuck Groot beer is. No, we're not talking about the happy dancing tree man from the Marvel movies. Groot uh, is a different guy. Groot. Uh, okay, Groot. Groot. I've heard it said both ways, but um, we weren't around then. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's G R U I T. Yes. And it's it was before hops were really discovered as they're just so perfect for beer. Right. They give the bitterness, which balances that sweetness from your malt nicely. It's a natural preservative. And they're also very aromatic, so you can add, get bitterness or flavor from them. It's kind of an incredible herb. I don't need to tell you about hops. This is for the listeners. Uh, and... But before they discovered that, they used all sorts of oh, shit. We got to do something else. <laughs> and Groot was this spice blend of... Uh, like rosemary and bog myrtle, and they're not really sure what exactly went into it. So, I I've always thought that 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 Groot was like a sort of a, a term, like a, a catch-all term for uh, that period. Well, well, no, not 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 even for that for that period because there's there's still Groot that's made today, mm-hmm. but 
that it's essentially non-hopped beer that that are it's any any beer that is using like uh, spices hop, or hop herbs or yeah so like it, uh, heather tips or, mm-hmm. or, or spruce what? tips yeah or, yeah. If, that's what people use it for now, but like historically, the development of group beers were coming through the Middle Ages. Uh, beer was always like a decentralized local thing. They didn't have scale of industry the way we do now. You had to do shit by hand back then, you lazy millennials. Uh, sorry, sorry. Got, getting excited. Um, so Easy. it was a way for the church to actually tax local beer production was you weren't allowed to make beer without Groot. You weren't allowed to make beer with Groot unless you got the Groot from the church. Like, they had a monopoly. It was a proprietary... Yeah. You didn't it know... It was a propi- proprietary di- blend of, like, whatever shit they and, had. And, and they, just, they, didn't, they wouldn't tell you, so you couldn't make your own. You had to get it from them, and you were definitely overpaying for it because that was their form of taxation. There's always been somebody taking a piece off of the brewing industry throughout history. <laughs> There's always the taxation <laughs> of, of beer making. the church. So for a long time, the church was the government in Europe after the Roman Empire collapsed. And so Groot was a, a and, and since it's the church, they famously don't like to share if they don't want to. We don't really know exactly what was in those Groot beers in like, you know, 13th, 14th, 15th centuries until the Germans. And that's probably part a bunch of, of shit that made their. It's their, a big reason, though, the Germans passed the Reinheitsgebot when they did. It was it was during the Reformation and Lutheranism and all that crap. Uh, and it was them being like, screw you. We're not giving the church money for our beer. We're going to say that you can't use Groot. You can only use this local <laughs> hop that we're growing. In fact, if you try to make Groot beer, try to like... It's fucking illegal. It's illegal to do here. So get that shit back to, you know, go back to France with yeah, it. Go back whatever. where you came from. Go back to wherever. We, we're not dealing with that. And and it just was better. And the English drinkers were like, that. we like this better. Can we yeah. get some of those hops? And it took off from there. But now it's, yeah. Well, it's the thing about much, this is it doesn't taste like shit. Yeah. So like I've had a several Groot, beer, Groot beers and they I, I personally I think they're all terrible, even if they're interesting and I, I think worthwhile. Have you tasting. had anything from scratch? Yes, they're they're ones that that kind of that they're 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 not like like straight up, you know, Groot brewers. They definitely they're brewing beer, but they use like crazy. They've done some good hopless like, beers. Weird, weird. Well, I mean, weird. I don't, I don't, I don't mean that in terms of. Of like, I'm not saying that from a, a judgmental or like condescending. Just we abnormal in that. Yeah, like or not, unusual like and they're not usual. Uh, yeah. Non-conventional. There you go. Non-conventional yep. ingredients. Um, Hall River is another one that mm-hmm. they use. They use some pretty non-conventional, uh, and, and it can work. But it ha- it also like that. Going back to what we were first talking about in terms of like a thoughtful approach to ingredients, I think that that like being able to do that and pull it off and do it well is that much more impressive because it's like you don't have the standard like oh well this is how you how you make this and, and you know th- this is what you you know these are the ingredients and you add them at this time and this, da, 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 whatever, like, or this is how hops work or whatnot. You have these crazy roots and leaves and stems and all sorts of crazy berries and shit that you don't typically find in beer. And then you have to, you know, f- rely on your, your best judgment to be able to make that, make that work. Johnny's cracking a... I'm getting a beer. Justin's going to entertain you while I pour, everyone. Please rant, Justin. <laughs> Please. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. Not easy. It's okay. We're going to give you a pass because you're, you're new at this. <laughs> Thanks, bud. This is the second, second podcast. So we are drinking a... Uh, North uh, Carolina brewery. <laughs> a, also from Greensboro. That, that is true. Yes, uh, a uh, oak aged uh, Brett saison on uh, pomegranate. Pomegranate. I don't know if that's how you say it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I always read it. Like I that. am not gonna say it like that. Yeah, I like this beer though. I've had it before. It's it's a lot of pomegranate. Pomegranate on the front. It's uh three three hundred three hundred pounds for a ten barrel batch. That's a shitload. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
Uh, when they when they fruit it, they fucking they fruit it. That's 30, 30 pounds per barrel, right? So that's a lot. So that's a pound per gallon, pretty much. Yeah, it's a lot of fruit. That's a lot of fruit. Yeah. Um, but it's not overpoweringly pomegranate. That's how strong that oak and Brett. Now, this was there's a, a thing. This so- I had someone ask me once if the Brett was the guy who made it. If it was named after him, because it said Brett Saison. And there's a guy in the corner going, I like beer. I like beer. I like, I like beer. I drink beer. I drink a lot of beer. Me beer and Squee and Pidgey and, and Pinch. And, P- and PJ. Me and Squee and PJ. And I, we were working out, but we were drinking yeah. beers with pomegranate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, they're not talking about that guy when they no, call no, it that, a Brett that is, beer, right? That is uh, uh, Britannomyces, uh, a, a different... A Bless different, you. So, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, was that a sneeze, or did I, you say a word? A huaca, huaca. Uh, so a, a, different, uh, a different type of, of yeast, uh, uh, separate from like the, the typical uh, Saccharomyces that, that, that 99.9% of... Beers are uh, are made with Brett works uh, way way differently and uh, in, in its its flavor its aroma um, what it can do is vastly different from Saccharomyces which is which so is why why, why would I use Brett then because it's or why it's, would I not ever why would I not just only use it if it's so much more interesting oh geez oh, oh boy. Dance break. Uh, all right. <laughs> I don't know if that came through the audio, but we had a sudden Skype call. Uh, we're at about an hour right now, so I might wrap this up, and um, we'll, we're going to try to bring a guest in who can um, ask more questions. So uh, sorry to rush you there, because um, I, I, I know it's, Luke would like to hear about it's all, your it's Brett all good. definition. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll put, so, we'll put and, a pin in that, and, and we'll, we'll come Yeah, back. did you have anything you want to throw in here before we, we cut this clip? Just that D. <laughs> All right, that's that's good. Uh, yeah, I always I always tell people, having met enough brewers now, that uh, I used to do tours for a brewery, and I would tell people when we'd walk past the brewers, I would say, you know, they it's a lot of technical knowledge, but it's also a lot of uh, like thinking on your feet and multitasking. So brewers are mad scientist type people usually. <laughs> they all love beer, and they're all a little let's say off kilter from the norm. Fucking so if sociopaths. you sociopaths, maybe. Uh, if you meet a brewer, I always tell people, uh, try to buy them a beer and be like, no, nah, what do you really feel like? How do you really feel about that? Like, just get them going because it's usually entertaining. And That's a two-beer conversation, but I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, You'll regret asking. So thanks for coming on, Justin. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're going to be right back with a, a little bit more.